International Leadership Summit 2012. Regaining Your Edge, Cutting Edge Leadership. Presented and hosted by Comeback Ministries International and Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. This year's conference features nine dynamic teaching sessions. This is session number three, entitled Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth by Pastor Felix Moten of Word of Truth Christian Church in Bremen, Georgia. I certainly want to thank God for being here this morning. It's a blessing to be in your presence. Uh, thank God just for uh, this leadership conference and for everybody that came together to put it together. I just get excited uh, whenever we get a chance to talk about leadership and and to just really encourage one another and exhort each other to do what the scripture teaches and to serve the people of God and to serve God. Amen. In that area. And I certainly want to thank Pastor Crawford again for allowing us to be a part of it. Appreciate it. And thank you guys for your hospitality. Thank uh, Pastor Stroud for having us over as well. And it's good to see some of my friends here and some uh, hopefully new friends. I'll get a chance to meet and make your acquaintance. Glad to be here today. If you would get your Bibles, just look in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, verse number 5. And my assignment is to talk about rightly dividing the word of truth, which is a vast subject. I dare not try to exhaust it, but I'll try to at least peel back a little bit of it. And um, it's kind of hard for me to talk about a subject without kind of uh, I guess invoking my own personal passions into it, or I shouldn't say into it, or what I gained from it. Um, this is actually one of my uh, main veins uh, in my church, and it's something that really means a lot to me. It's just I'm very passionate about uh, training leaders, and to really uh, train leaders well, you have to have an anchor. There has to be some some something that anchors us something that holds us and keeps us from being blown all off course and so the scripture has been provided for that and uh, i want to just kind of i'll just go through my notes and we'll just see where this takes us because i don't want to ramble this morning all right ecclesiastes 10 verse number five and this is solomon speaking and he says there is an evil that i have seen under the sun as it were an error proceeding from the ruler folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Say amen. This is um, Solomon who is, in Ecclesiastes, I like to think of it as after, after Solomon has really grown, after he's really matured, he has seen life, he's gotten older, and he's kind of looking at things retrospectively, and he's just, just got sense now. He had wisdom, but now it seems like he just really has grasp this thing much better and he says i've seen some evil i've seen something that we've done wrong and he's talking about as it relates to rulers he says we have put some of these people in high places that should not be in high places and we put other people in low places that should be in the higher places we've put the the slaves on horses and we've got the princes walking on the ground and i, I want to show you what the evil is he, he basically tells us that there are if you look in the church today, if you think about how we do things, you can kind of see how roles have kind of been reversed, you know. And, and I won't say all churches, but I'm just, I'm just speaking in general. If you, you see roles being reversed because now it seems like we just kind of exalt people without any merit a lot of times. You know, there's just, there's just not a whole lot of um, emphasis placed on training 
in a lot of churches. And I'm talking about, you know, some of the larger churches, some of the rural churches. There's not a lot of emphasis placed on training. People are much more prone to just have a dream, you know, or just a vision just and just running. It doesn't necessarily have to have anything anchored to it. It doesn't have to be tied down to anything. And we like, we like to call that freedom, you know. And if you, if you try to challenge us on anything, we say, well, hey, hey, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But understand something, saints. There has to be some foundation in the church. There has to be an anchor in the church. Or otherwise, it just becomes the church of the people. It becomes Laodicea. We don't want to have Laodicea where the people rule. We want to have a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to have to have scripture to make that happen. These, there's, there's three evils that he talks about here. He says, number one, there's a role reversal. Number two, there's a gross irreverence. All right? There's a gross irreverence for the, I got three things there. This is, sounds real preacher-like, but you got to get this. For, for the scripturally sound, for the trial proven, and for the spiritually mature. Anybody that will tell us something that's right, we're cool with that. Until what's right is in opposition to what we necessarily want to do. Or what we've seen in the closet somewhere. And I'm not knocking prayer. I'm not knocking on that. But we've got to have accountability. You cannot just go into a room somewhere and pour oil on yourself and, and, you know, speak in tongues for hours and hours and then come out and say, I have a vision. And then make the assumption that nobody else has seen anything. You cannot, you cannot just uh, keep making this assumption that you have just risen to the upper echelons of spirituality and everybody else is just, you know, they, God hasn't shown them this. And I see there's so much competitiveness, man, just irreverence for people that have tried, tried people. You know, right now it's like, you know, you, you hear a lot of testimonies about, man, we started the church and, and, you know, we got out there and we just went out and did what God said. And then, you know, we've only been here for three months. We've already got 3,000 people. That scares me to death. And most people say, whoo, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. And I'm not knocking it. I'm saying it could be a move of God. But I'm just saying, you know, upon closer examination, you may find out you've got a fig tree that doesn't have much fruit on it. You can't grow nothing in three months. A baby can't get mature in three months. Say amen, somebody. And I'm just suggesting to us that maybe we need to stop and just, come on, Jesus, with the disciples for three years, come on. And, and they weren't really, they ain't really just arrived at the end of that. And they had a pretty good teacher. Gross irreverence. You understand what I mean? Gross irreverence. Just, just you know, just look at somebody and say, you know, I know you haven't been saved for two weeks, but the Lord has shown me something. Uh, and I'm going to just make you a deacon. People are not action figures. You can't just put people in position because you need somebody to fill a chair. You can't just, I love the fact that he brought out those questions the other night or last night about how he talks about training deacons and training elders because, I mean, I'm just telling you, man, the way it is now, it, it scares me to death. I'd almost got to the point where I didn't want to go to church. I mean, just because I thought, am I crazy? I mean, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm assuming other, other folks have a copy. I'm not, I don't know if they're reading it or not, but I'm, I was making the assumption. And so you would think that when you get up and you quote scriptures, it becomes a welcome thing. But we, we are much more into the dream. We're much more into the, 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 the metaphysical. We want to get off into the, you know, just, just that you got to, just to see this thing and see it. And even if there's no root, if there's no anchor, people will just go with it. They'll go with it. Third thing, this begins, and this is my, this is my, my issue. It begins a never-ending loop. 
And I'm getting all this from Ecclesiastes 10, 5 through 7. It begins a never-ending loop because once you put a foolish man in charge, he is only going to be succeeded by foolish men. If he has no anchor, he will, he will provide no anchor. He'll teach other folks to just do the same thing he's doing, even if he has no idea what he's doing. And I'm saying, I'm speaking to us as leaders because we're in a pivotal position. You can either become what you've seen or become what we read. We can either become the status quo or we can say, you know what, this is not what the scripture's saying. And the challenge there is that I may have to go against the grain of a lot of folks that I really am in fellowship with. And I'm, I'm, please understand, I'm not a separatist. I'm not one of these renegade guys. It just feels like I got this church down here on the corner. It's the only one that's right. I'm inviting folks to come together. I, I want to come together, but I'm not going to come together just compromise. You know, we went through this thing a few, a few years ago where everybody was on this kick about we got to come together. Put our doctrine aside. What? Are you serious? Put our doctrine aside? That's all we got. If we put our doctrine aside, it just becomes a sorority. It just becomes a fraternity. It just becomes a group, a clique. Just some folks that decide to get together. It just becomes a political party. If we put our doctrine aside, if we don't have our doctrine, we might as well just close our Bibles and come together and just smile at each other. Keep serving Danish and drinking coffee and, and sitting around looking across the table and, and it's all good. And if anybody wants to get up and act a fool, just say, but well, praise the Lord. I'm saying, no, no, no. That's not, the, that's not the look of this church that we read in the Bible. I see folks going to church scared. I know y'all don't believe that, but I see it. I see it. Look at this. Here's, 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 the, here's the result, saints. It leads to frustration. It leads to exhaustion. It leads to depression. Feigning and ultimately, as he said yesterday, quitting. Because you just keep seeing this thing and it doesn't stop. It's a never-ending loop. Nobody's going to go against the grain because even if it, if it gets down to it, we'll bribe you. We'll say, listen, you know, this is the way I came into ministry. People said, you know what? Be faithful over that which is another man's. And one day, all this can be yours if the price is right. I mean, you know. And then, you know, you, you, you said, well, be, but be humble. So you be humble. And they, they first, they, they, give, they give birth to this greedy thing in you, this, this desire for position and for pulpits and all that. And then they say, be humble. So you humble yourself. And then you learn a few things. You read a few scriptures. And then when you're able to quote a few scriptures, they say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now you're trying to take over. And so then they say, well, you got to get out because, you know, this is a divided house and two-headed thing. It's a freak and all that. I heard all that crazy stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And it just leaves you in a place where you're like, well, wait a minute. What am I supposed to do? As a leader, how do I become a real leader? Because what I'm seeing in scripture, we're saying, well, look, we, we don't do that here. And, and, and I'm just saying we're creating a new norm. And if we're not going to use scripture, saints, it doesn't make sense to have it. Doesn't make sense to do it in church. Let's just do something else. Let's just have a cult. Let's have a cult across a, a cult. Just call it what it is. Anything that we do that is in direct opposition to scripture is sacrilege. Picture that. Picture that. And so it would behoove us, as Paul says to Timothy, to study or to be diligent or to be zealous. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Be zealous, right? Study to, to, to show thyself approved. All right? We're going to get into that in just a minute. But I want to give you this real quick. Ecclesiastes 10. Go down to verse number 10. He says, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Now, this is Solomon. He's a pretty wise cat, right? 
And he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can cut a tree down quick if you've got a sharp axe handle or a sharp axe head, rather. Right? And, and sometimes I think the reason we're so frustrated in church is because we have dull heads. We think we're supposed to check our head at the door. We come to church and we don't read. We don't look down. We don't follow anything. Then when we go home, we don't read the scripture. We just rehearse what was heard. Amen. We rehearse what was heard. We allow people to give us interpretation rather than doing investigation. I didn't even try to rhyme, but that came out good, didn't it? We're supposed to investigate these texts. I mean, I hate to make it sound like we're being ill-submissive, but every week, man, when your pastor stands up or that leader stands up, there is an element of trust, but then there is an area where there is no trust because this has to be investigated, all right? I trust you to give me the word of God, but on the, by the same token, I'm going to go home like the Bereans did in the book of Acts. This is not a bad thing. I'm going to go home just like the Bereans, and I'm going to just uh, search the scriptures every day to make sure that what you said is actually in the book because you are not above the law. Say amen. All right, I'm doing pretty good. I made it my second page. I heard those subliminal messages, Pastor Mark, and he said, listen, you know, time is important. I'm like, oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> First Timothy, <laughs> chapter 5, verse number 17. First Timothy 5, 17 says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Can you read what that's saying and read what it's also not saying? It's nothing necessarily too deep or spiritual about that. If he says, let the elders that rule well, he, obviously there's some elders that don't. If he differentiates, there's obviously some people that just are in position for nothing, as Solomon just got through saying. And rulers put these people in position because they are not responsible with their office. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine, especially those who labor in teaching and preaching the word of God, man. Wonder why they should be counted worthy of double honor? Because they're spiritual? No. Because they're, they're gifted? No. Because, you know, they're... they're no. Because it's work. It's work. It's, it's labor. This is not something that you can just kind of just do uh, whenever you feel like it and just take it a lackadaisical approach. It, it's work, man, to interpret these texts and to sit down and then be able to contextualize them for a congregation in today's culture and try to make this relevant. It is relevant, but we have the responsibility of helping somebody see the relevance of it. And sometimes that's not easy. You know, when they spend the whole week, as you said, uh, in front of a television, they spend the whole week talking to other people, even other Christians who are lighting the bridges. You understand what I'm saying? Who don't necessarily have any foundation. And we, we just get together and we get in a circle and we join hands. And we say, oh, just Lord, speak to us, speak to us. And I'm, please understand, you I am not knocking uh, any of the spiritual giftings. I'm just saying there is no spiritual gift that has liberty beyond the grasp of scripture. If you can't, if there is no scriptural basis for it, there should be no occurrence of it. That's what the Bible teaches, man. That's the reason it's canonized. That's the reason you have these texts. That's the reason we're not reading your book. That's the reason we're reading this book. This book, if, if, even if you write a book, you make reference to this book because this book supersedes anything you could come up with. It's the only Bible 
this word outlives every prophet. It outlives every apostle. It outlives every hand that's laid. It outlives every healing service. It outlives every church, every ministry, every parachurch. It doesn't matter what it is. This word is what's going to stand. When it's all said and done, your favorite preacher, you're going to bury him. I promise you. But this word is going to still be here. And then you got to figure out what you're going to do. If you're going to preach what your favorite preacher said or you're going to preach what the scripture teaches. Jesus is not coming back to raise up your favorite preacher and bow at his feet. Look at this. Let the elders that rule well uh, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, how about that? The scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And the and preachers love to quote these texts because we always want to talk about how the preacher should be uh, taken care of. But we don't like to talk much about how the preacher should take care of the flock. Amen. You know, we read these texts. We don't read that uh, Ezekiel 34 stuff when it talks about uh, going and prophesy against the shepherds. Because that's, that's sacrilege. You wouldn't prophesy against the shepherd. You're not supposed to touch the Lord's anointing. Is that right? That's garbage. That's what we're taught, though. That's what people say. And nobody says anything. You don't, you're not supposed to touch the Lord's anointed. Well, who's the Lord's anointed? Well, primarily it's the Jews, but furthermore, from a spiritual perspective, it's not just the preacher. That's why he says, and do my prophet no harm. There's your leader. The anointed is the entire group of people. So I'm not supposed to be touched, and I'm not supposed to touch either. Is that right? That means there can be no abusive uh, functions going on in church. There cannot be this heavy-handed preacher who's just beating this congregation down and, and working them over for offerings and working them over and trying to make them do his, his bidding with Scripture as his basis, even though he's taking it out of context. Look at this. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. The laborer is worthy of his hire. The laborer is, Amen. The labor is if you do the job, you go out and if you come to my house and cut my grass and I go out and look in the yard and you got stripes all in the yard, you didn't get paid. If I if I invite you over to cook dinner and you get over there and you just bring over meal and flour and, and leave, you ain't gonna get paid. Say amen. If you are the labor, if you're the preacher and you get up and you just, you know, spout out a few of your favorite verses and you know, just wave your hand a few times. And, I'm sorry. I feel like I should shake you. I don't give you no honorarium for no garbage. I'm going to shake your hand and ask you, you know, keep praying about it. If I, if I, look, look, you're supposed to come and do a job. And your supervisor is supposed to make sure you do it right. Right? That's if you talk with him on a regular basis. The laborers where they was high. against an elder. He starts talking about church authority uh, against an elder received not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. So this thing is supposed to be so serious. The elder's life is supposed to be so above reproach that you can't even accuse them by yourself. Amen. That's how serious God takes it for you to come up and just say, preacher, you ain't right. You, you don't you don't have the authority to do that because the office that he holds and the sanctity of that office and the fear that's bestowed upon that thing is so serious you don't have the right to come up without substantiating that with at least two or three other sound people because you could be crazy look what he says here next then he says when we do find that we have one in pro that's uh, got issues he says them that sin continuously without wanting to be corrected he says rebuke them you see that before all is that right <laughs> that everybody may see and fear 
It's obviously not talking about respect. Greek word there is phobos. He means that there should be alarm and fright. Picture that. Think about it. Think about how many folks that we see in today's church. All we do, I think, I think our biggest problem is that we, we watch too much church on cable. And it's, it's kind of getting us off center. I think we need to do a little more uh, exegesis of New Testament letters and consider when Paul was writing these books. Paul, and I'm not knocking this, y'all. Understand, I think it's a good thing if you write a book and you have a book campaign and all that kind of stuff and you go from city to city, you sign it and all. I think that's wonderful. You know, I, I sell tapes and DVDs at my church and I think it's all great. But I'm just saying, you know, at some point you got to just make sure you don't get too, too far out there because, because you know, Paul... <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul didn't have, uh, uh, you know, he wasn't at Barnes and Nobles. You understand what I'm saying? He was locked up. He was locked up. So, I mean, you know, sometimes I, I, feel, like, I feel like Paul when I was writing this book. You know, you don't feel like Paul when you was writing this book. No, you don't. No, you took a sabbatical. You went down to uh, Hilton Head and wrote this book. You don't feel like Paul when you're writing this book. what he says here next this is what scares me to death this is why I was sitting there with my head down now I apologize for not standing doing worship service but my hip is hurting that's why I'm sitting now I apologize for this too but let's look on verse number 21 <laughs> I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another doing nothing by partiality do you see that audience this is Paul telling Timothy, when you get ready to set aside these leaders, here's the audience that I'm charging you before. Do you see these people? Before God, Jehovah, the Lord Jesus, the Christ, second part of the Godhead, and the elect angels. I, this is before the presence of a holy God. Are we not ashamed? Are, are we not ashamed to do whatever we're doing before the presence of a holy God? Are we sure what we're doing he's pleased with? Are we, are, we, are we certain? Because we're very bold, you understand? Are we certain that what we do, God is in agreement with? But when we raise our hand and we say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, are we sure? Have we taken time to just really make sure that that's the Lord speaking? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I've heard some crazy stuff in church, you know, and I'm sure you have too. And just, just to give you a couple of examples, I, I was at one church and this guy got up and he, he was raising an offer and he said, you know, I think they raised something like, I forget what it was, but it was an odd number. And he says, you know, God don't like odd numbers. You sure you want to say that? I mean, you know, and then they, they laugh and they giggle, but you got to understand where we stand, man. I don't have a problem with you telling a joke or two, but just, you know, you don't stick God's name on everything. You can't just keep going around forging his name to foolishness. I charge you before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the elect angels. Wouldn't it be something if, since God is a judge, we could, we could actually officially be held in contempt of church? Couldn't we? If you did something, you know, if you perjured yourself or perjured Jesus or, you know, you lied on Jesus. You know, God still don't go, he don't, he don't roll with that stuff too easy. I know we're under grace now, but I don't know if you noticed it or not, but the book of Acts is New Testament. And, you know, God, just, just, just to make, you know, get the record straight in Acts chapter 5, he showed us something just to let us know that, you know, I'm still not into that lying to the Holy Ghost thing. I love you, understand, but I, I'll get rid of you if I need to. That's pretty, that's pretty rough. I mean, all they did was, I mean, it was just one lie. I mean, it was, 
It wasn't that they told one lie. It was who they lied to. Look at this. Three things we give you that we got to get from this verse. We got to get back to making training a priority. We've got to acknowledge scripture as being authoritative. Somebody gives you a word, you know, all this stuff about the saints getting mad because you give them a correction. Are you serious? Leaders? I don't know who you think you are. This, this was supposed to be taken care of in your training. I was supposed, in your training, I told you who I was. You understand? And my authority is not me. I'm giving you a scripture from the text. The scripture is the final authority. And number three, we are to instill a holy fear concerning our vocation. Number one, make training a priority. Number two, acknowledge, y'all got that? Acknowledge scripture at, uh, as being authoritative. And number three, instill a holy fear concerning our vocation. I think y'all preach the first sermon shaking. That's just me. I, I just, I do, I do, I do. Like you're getting ready to get sentenced, you know, just, you don't know how it's going to go. You're just praying. All you can do is pray. And I know you said, well, I'm bold in the Lord. And I understand. But behind that boldness, there's a shaking leaf. That boldness is my confidence. My confidence in this God got me here. But this fear is what makes me say what I'm about to say. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And when you get these people that are so bold, as they say, they're so bold that they can say anything. And they even use rash words. They haven't even taken time to be skilled in this craft. They just get up and say stuff because, well, I just got to say what the Lord tells me to say. You need to be very careful. Be very careful about what you say the Lord said. Because please understand, every idle word, you're going to give an account for it. This next little piece, um, 2 Peter 1, verse 16. Am I doing pretty good? Yeah. All right, let's move quick. 2 Peter 1, verse 16. Uh, three facts about Scripture I want you to get from this text. Number one, scripture is the highest and the final authority in the church. Number two, it is providentially kept. It's providentially kept. God has watched over this word to maintain its sanctity. Number three, it is God breathed, which is ultimately where it gets its authority from. See that verse number 16, um, Peter uh, says here, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the Mount of Transfiguration. In case you had any doubt about this Jesus, here you have God parting the clouds and speaking, this is my beloved son. That ought to clear right up, shouldn't it? Yeah. Look what he says here next. Uh, and this voice which came to him uh, from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. That, that, what, that's what gives the, the word of these apostles uh, validity. Verse number 19. And we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. So you see there he says, this gives even, we can give more validity to what the prophet said because we saw Jesus standing there with Moses and with Elijah. You understand? He validates them. He validates everything they're saying. 
So we know that what we've been reading is absolutely correct. We got that. Jesus is standing with them. The father is saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, who's standing with the law and the prophet. So we know we're on the right track. Everything has to be rooted in the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if, if you got church going on, you got a preacher speaking or something going on, whatever it is, and it's not rooted in that, somebody ought to say something. And, and this is the way I, I particularly like to do it. I don't like to just, you know, step over nobody else's house. If I'm in another church, you know, I think that pastor should say something. Yes. Amen. He should say something. You, you can't just get up. Somebody get up in church, just pull out rattlesnakes and whatnot. Somebody should say something. Amen. I mean, you understand? And you can't just sit there. This is what we say. We're just, we're just, we're just going to just pray and pray. Well, you can't just, at some point, we got to be the church, man. Now, if I'm in somebody else's church, if I was here and so one of y'all did something ridiculous, I'm going to talk to Pastor Stroud after service. I said, Pastor, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, we're friends. I think we should be able to do that. You understand, it's my, my job to get up here and, and, and make a fool out of myself or the other person. And we're not in the business of exposing. We do want to cover people. But however, we do want to make sure that we don't give anybody the wrong information. And we certainly don't want to have folks thinking that God is signing off on our foolishness. Yes, amen. Okay, look what he says. Verse number 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. But the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but... Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this is not something that originates in the mind and the hearts of men. It originates in the mind of God. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't come from God, then we don't want it. Let's just be real, folks. You go to Kentucky Fried Chicken for what? Go to Captain D's for what? Go to swimming pool for what? You go to church for what? Don't answer! Why is it we can get everything we're supposed to get at other places but the church? When we come to church, we have come specifically, specifically to hear from God. This is not your moment. This is not the Reverend You show. We have come to hear from God. And if we're not going to hear from God, it's time to go. When I go to Captain D's and they say we're out of fish, I don't just sit around and, you know, shake hands and pray and join. I don't do that. It's time to ride. I got to find somewhere where I can get some fish. Yeah. Yeah. If I go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and they're out of original recipe, it's not going to work. Time to bounce. Say amen to my. When I come to church and you get up and you say, Well, listen, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get in the word today. I want to do something a little deeper than the word. Deeper than the word? Are you serious? Seemed like if it was deeper than the word, why didn't it make its way into the word? Why is God gonna leave something out here on the side that we that we needed to live? You know, it's spooky. Some of the revelation that folks come up with and they say, look, well, I, I've got this revelation. And it's not necessarily revelation. Re realistically, if we want to do this thing theologically correct, there's only one revelation. The revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anything in Christ that is left that has not been revealed? Philip said at the end of Jesus' ministry, show us the Father. He said, look, man, how long have you been with me? If you've seen me, that's it. I'm not hiding anything else. That's it. And then you get down to the church and this dude takes you in this spooky room with the lights low and says, I want to show you this revelation. I don't want to hear that. 
I'm sick of it. Aren't, aren't we sick of this stuff? Because people are leaving churches. They fall out with God because of some crazy lunatic preacher. And I'm not even mad, you know, I'm still smiling. Praise the Lord. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 14. This is my close. I'm going to give you four exhortations that the Apostle Paul gives to Timothy in 15 minutes. Bless the Lord. Doing well. I just want to give you, I'm not really big on just, you know, spouting out a bunch of Greek and Hebrew, but I think it's good because I don't want to use terms to intimidate. I want to use terms to inform. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, and they're not even that big. I just, you know, I just know sometimes we're a little bit behind. I mean, I don't mean that. I'm serious. We're just a little behind sometimes. And that's okay if we want to catch up. Right? What I, what I was about to say is the only reason I'm using some of these Greek words is because we don't do hermeneutics. I didn't know what hermeneutics was growing up. I grew up in a church. I didn't know who Martin Luther was. I knew Martin Luther King. Come on. I didn't know anything about no Reformation. I didn't know what a Protestant was. They said, were you Protestant? No, I'm Baptist. What are you talking about? Wrong with you calling me out my name. Yeah. I didn't know. I just didn't know. You know, they said, read the Bible. We didn't read that. We read, we read the verse or the, the preacher's text. Now, I don't know what kind of church you came up in, but I'm just giving my testimony. And you ain't got to identify with me. You know, that way only I'm, I'll be the only one that looks crazy. But I just feel like you might be able to identify. I'm just saying. Okay. He just gives his text. We read that text. And we had something called a responsive reading. And it didn't change for like 20 years. It was the same responsive reading. Um, we read... Psalm. That's why I quote it. People think I'm smart. I just can't forget it. <laughs> Psalm 1. We quoted that thing in. You, read, you know that first part. Uh, preacher or minister, congregation. And it just shift. And then you read part, they read it back. After a while, you just start knowing it. you just like, shoot, man. You know, and you just, it's, it was the norm. And it's not necessarily connected to anything. It was just the norm. It's, it's habit, you know. You don't, need, you don't need Jesus to smoke cigarettes, right? Because it's a habit. There's no spiritual connection. It can be the same thing with the scripture. You know? Yes. So look at this. 2 Timothy 2, verse number 14. I'm going to go down just through a few verses here. Um, he says, of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Now, this is the Apostle Paul's second letter to his son in the ministry. There's another whole ministry we could talk about, but his son in the ministry, okay? Something else has been very much abused because, you know, everybody now is sons and daughters, and it, it, we don't sacrifice anything, you know? It's just money changing hands, you know? It's just, well, you got to tithe and us, and we'll tithe and you, and we'll do this, and we'll do that, and, that, and, and you know, when you come here and get a blessing and an impartation and all these big words, and it's fancy and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, you don't do nothing. You don't do nothing. When I'm in trouble, you don't do nothing. Say amen. If I'm hurting, you don't do nothing. You just, you just well, God will go work it out. I don't want to hear that. I knew that. I read that. I need some help. Pull your skirt up. Let me see your scars. Let me see your wounds. 
Help me. I'm in trouble. You understand? I'm about to quit pastoring my church. And I'm coming to you, Father. Right? You got, I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. It's just twisted because we don't know what Scripture says about some of these things. So look at this. I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Let me stay right here. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. Number one, first exhortation, don't strive over words that do not profit the hearer. Don't fight about words that don't profit anybody. Okay? Don't get caught up in the little hair-splitting arguments. You know, reasons that we don't fellowship and reasons that we don't come together. You know, one, one group does it this way. Another group does it that way. At the end of the day, the highest law is love, right? And even that love is connected to the text. It's connected to scripture. This is not some perverse, uh, inordinate uh, love that is uh, separate from scripture. This is, this is not our, uh, our limited, finite mind coming up with our own deformed version of love. This is a love that actually comes out of scripture. He says, these words don't profit, but they subvert the hearers. And the, the Greek word there is catastrophe, where we get catastrophe from. Look around, saints. You go to church and you hear more stories about catastrophe than you hear about healing or deliverance. I promise you, you can tie it back to who's talking. I promise you. Why do we leave? Well, the preacher, he's, you know, he's acting crazy. Well, why do we leave? Well, the preacher, you know, he slept with my wife. Why do we leave? Well, the preacher, you know, he touched my children. Why do we leave? Well, the preacher, I mean, come on, man. It's so, I couldn't leave in the nursery. I can't leave in the sanctuary. What are we supposed to do? Now, I'm at church. It's supposed to be the place of refuge. It's supposed to be the safe haven, right? And I know what you're thinking. So, well, you can't judge anybody. Well, what are we supposed to do then? Let's just not preach anything. Because the apostle Paul does talk about judging inside. There's no, it doesn't make any sense to ordain if we're not going to judge. If there's not, listen, why, why, why am I going to put you in position to uphold the law if you're not going to live by it and I can't use it to judge your life? That's crazy. And we're fighting about little words. You know, I went to one church and a dude, he preached a sermon about a comma. I'm like, a comma? I understand you preachers are struggling and you need a good message. And you, want to, you want the folks to go, you better say that. I, look. At the end of the day, <laughs> you, you've got to make sure your message has, has caught the ear of the Almighty and that God is pleased with what you're saying. This is not your moment to razzle-dazzle the audience. Catastrophe, man. Demolition is what it says. Overthrowing people's faith. People are walking away from God, not just your church. They're walking away from God because you don't study. They're walking away from God because you don't do any investigation. You say, well, well, hey, it's not about school. You have no need that a man teach you. That just shows you what I'm talking about. If you don't have need that a man teach you, why did Jesus make teachers? Why was Jesus a man teaching? That don't make no sense. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But we make these arguments, and then you got the, the group that argues, well, I didn't get to go to school. And nobody said you had to go to school. I said you had to study. You know, and you need to put that study, those conclusions you come to, they need to be sub subject to somebody. You got to submit to somebody. You cannot just get this, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, exclusive revelation. There's no private interpretation, folks. When you show up, and I want to tell y'all something that I know God didn't show nobody. It's time to get your hat. 
I'm not interested in learning anything that God didn't show nobody. Paul saw some things that God didn't show nobody, and he said it's not necessary to preach it. Matter of fact, I was told not to mention it. I'm here to preach nothing but Christ and him crucified, right? That's, that's, that's book, ain't it? But that don't move us because we like the ooh-ah stuff. But I don't have time to go into it. But let's look on. Number two, verse 15. This is the scripture I came to talk about. Studied to shoot thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Number two, seek to be a teacher approved of God. Now, this is going to get you kicked out of some folks' uh, acquaintances. Because I'm going to tell you something. All of us got a spooky side. You know, we get desperate. We hear crazy stuff. Stay up too late, you eat collard greens and stuff. You have dreams and visions. It's, it's, it's reality. And you wake up the next day, man, God showed me something. Don't, don't be so quick to say, I'm in a place right now, I'm so scared, man. And I believe God showed me some stuff. And it's just some days I'm like, I'm just trying to get it out. I'm afraid to say it. And y'all say, well, you got to be bold, brother. No, see, you don't understand what I'm talking about. I understand boldness. I'm bold. You know, if somebody slapped my wife, I'm going to Pray. But Jehovah? What you going to say to impress Jehovah? Picture that. What you going to say? I mean, it's been better men than you holding this word. Moses said, like, show me your glory. And God said, you ain't ready for that. I'll tell you what, I had you. Let you see the backside of it. Now here you are with something that uh, was written about Moses. And here you are with these scriptures that have been uh, correlated about these people. And now all of a sudden you got this deep revelation. You had the glory has visited you and lights came on and, you know, you was on the screen machine at Six Flags and something just <laughs> wind hit you in the face and you just know it was God. And, and now, now you got this deep, heavy revelation and you just can't nobody touch you. You don't want nobody to disturb your anointing and all that kind of garbage. And you got 15 armor bearers. Say amen, somebody. Maybe be pallbearers. I don't know which one it is, but just... Uh, <laughs> crazy seek to be approved of god is god approving of it i know your congregation shouting what's god doing i know folks are falling at the altar at the altar what's god doing has you ever thought about that what is god doing when you said something i mean when stephen died he got an ovation from heaven now to make jesus get up He had to be hit with rocks until he stopped breathing. Now, I know you're deep. That's a pretty tall order to get Jesus standing. There's no more Stephen when Jesus is standing. Stephen's a dead man when Jesus is standing. Now, I know your congregation was impressed. You invited over some preachers that agree with you, so of course they're impressed. But what about God? Just something to think about. A workman, a gates, and it means a toiler, a workman. You got to put some time in, okay? There's got to be some, some uh, investigation. There's got to be some work. This is going to be hard sometimes, saints. You're going to just be able to sit in your pastor's study in your air conditioning. It's going to be hard sometimes. Say amen. There's going to be some sacrifice involved. And I know some folks need to know about sacrifice. Say amen. There's some days, and I know we look good today because we got dressed for this, but I'm just saying there are some other days when you're in the office. and you know, How many of y'all ever had that situation where you got to get up, get ready to go out to preach, and you're like, God, what in the world am I supposed to do? You got the notes, but you're like, I, I, need, I, need, I need the hand upon me. I need you to help me do this. You don't have that. 
Sometimes you don't feel like going out there. I, I sp- sometimes I'm more depressed right before I preach than I am any other time. Because I'm wrestling. You know what, it, what the tension that's on you when you're standing between God and people? Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's, that's a pull. Uh, I got more, but I can't give it to you. Verse number, th- number three, third point. Shun godless chatter and discussions. Verse number 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase under more ungodliness. Y'all see that? <laughs> profane. Greek word there means it gives a picture of a threshold. It means the, once you crossed over, you've gone too far. It's profane. How many of y'all have had talking that has gone too far? Conversations that have gone too far. If you listen, if you once you cross the line, now it increases under more ungodliness. There's certain conversations that just make you more ungodly. It it causes you to do things that are more ungodly. It just continuously feeds your mind. You keep sitting around talking about, man, I remember the good old days. Solomon said you shouldn't even talk like that. But you just keep saying stuff, and eventually, the more you remember the good old days, you keep finding your way back to those days. Vain babblings, the Greek word there is fruitless discussion. Is your discussion fruitful? What you're preaching, is it fruitful? Or is it just you wasting pulpit time? Say amen, somebody. This is how, this is how we determine what we're doing is rightly dividing the word. If it's, if it's just a waste of time, it can't be what the scriptures say. Can't be. Verse number 17, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus who concerning the truth hath erred, saying that the resurrection is already past and overthrow the faith of some. Y'all see that? That word canker, <laughs> where we got in the Greek is where we get the word gangrene from. Isn't that crazy? He says this fruitless discussion eats like a canker. It eats like gangrene. And they said that was the same situation that, of this heresy that uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus started in the church, but saying that the resurrection had already taken place because they believed it was just spirit. They didn't believe in the physical resurrection. <laughs> and Paul said, I got to cut them off. That's what you do with gangrene because it just keeps going in deeper and deeper and deeper. And deeper and eventually somebody's got to go. Is that right? Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 20. Somebody got to go. There is church authority supposed to be enacted in the New Testament church. Say amen, somebody. That's all you find all that in first uh, first Corinthians as well. All right, look on here. Uh, I want you to see. No, I don't. First Timothy 1 18. This charge I commit unto thee, uh, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Y'all see that? Ladies and gentlemen, there are so many people in church right now that do not have a clue. And then there's even more that have just said, I ain't going back to church. Shipwreck their faith. Shipwreck their faith. How many times has somebody come to church after we God knows what they've gone through and they finally muster up the courage, the faith, the strength to go back to one more service and they get there and that's the day you choose to act a monkey. Say amen, somebody. And look what he says. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander? So he makes reference to these same guys again. Whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. There's the fear. 
the phobos in the New Testament. There's got to be some fear. If, if preachers think they can get up and say anything, they will. But there has to be somewhere that you, I mean, there will be some place you're just scared to preach. Make you go back to the old school. Make you go back and you just, you know, you used to have a little routine before you got them preached. Now you just grab a Bible, a couple of scriptures, a bottle of oil, and run. There'll be some place, you know, there's some places you respect. You know how you do. You know, if you go in a little storefront, you just run it, well, I, the Lord will he'll speak. And then you go somewhere else, it's important, somebody that you respect. And then you got to have all your little notes together. You got your points and, and all your little, you know, homiletics and your hermeneutics, all that stuff together because you respect those people. But the Bible says that when you minister, you're not ministering to the congregation alone. We have an audience of one. So if it's the same audience, I should get the same reverence. I should have the same fear. Last point, number four. In spite of all this, in spite of the fact that you have Timothy, Paul's talking to Timothy, in spite of the fact that we have had to get rid of Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus for saying foolish stuff, in spite of all this people being shipwrecked and people falling away from God and walking away from the church and, and people being bruised and you're hearing more testimonies about there being more hypocrites in the church than all real believers, and in spite of all that stuff, <laughs> know that the foundation of God stands sure. Is there a synagogue of Satan? Indeed. Is there a church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely. It does exist. In spite of what f folks may say, there is a real church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a real church. There are some serious people who actually do believe. There are some serious preachers who actually stand on what they believe. And that's what he, that's what he says there in 2 Timothy 2, uh, 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Stop it. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. That's Paul's exhortation to Timothy, man. That's his exhortation to all of us. And this is, these are memoirs from a dying man. This man's getting ready to be martyred. You don't think he's sitting around just flipping off some foolishness. This is his last days. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if it's his, if it's his last days, saints, he's not going to be wasting time. He's about to die and leave his son at the mercy of this, this uh, empire that's the, the, of, the, of, the, of the present day. And he says, I want you to be able to stand. Here's what you're going to need. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the kind of instruction we're supposed to be giving folks in church. And you have to rightly divide the word of truth to do that. And those, those are four exhortations that Paul gave Timothy. I hope those will be helpful to you. Amen. Amen. God bless you.